Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builder Show, where we feature entrepreneurs and business owners from all over the planet who are going to share with us the secrets to their business success. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that will inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to find out how to grow from five thousand to 15 million and then we'll do that with brad burns now brad owns a collection of businesses in the greater st louis area including wayne contracting he focuses on rapid growth and has won several awards for doing such a thing including the inc 5000 brad tell us i know you've got a collection of companies but who do you serve primarily so most of the organizations serve commercial accounts. So it's like larger scale end user retailers, the commercial land contracting, which does commercial general contracting across the U.S. Here in the next 60 days, will be licensed in about 46 states. We typically do retail QSR type work. So it's interior remodels, build outs, ground up type work. And we also have a signage graphics company called BizX Branding that also works nationally with larger end user accounts. We've done some work for Dix and Golf Galaxy through partners that we have in the print industry. So we'll go in and do decor installations, fixture type work, things like that. We also have <clears throat> a concrete and hardscape company, which does residential work here in the St. Louis metro area. So it's higher end outdoor patios, kitchens, fireplaces. We just started doing swimming pools about a year ago, which seems to be something that everybody wanted, at least during COVID. And then we also are in the process of starting up a wholesale seafood distribution company here in the St. Louis area, which serves restaurants, country clubs, universities, things like that. Oh, interesting. Is there a common problem that your clients have, Brad, that you tend to solve or do they, or is it bounce around from industry to industry? I would say the commercial clients that we have, I think the biggest thing is kind of a lot of them either don't understand the process or if they do, they take their contractors for granted. So they don't necessarily, they see it more as a commodity and they don't see as much value um, that we could actually bring to the table. So that's something that we really pushed a lot is trying to get further upstream in the decision-making process to create some value, which not only makes your life a little bit easier, but also when we get into the actual execution of a project, then it makes it a little bit more streamlined and efficient. So how do you go about typically solving? I know you mentioned going upstream in the business, but how do you typically go about solving the problems that these clients of yours have? Maybe a case study or two would help our listeners understand how you go about yeah, it. Yeah, the biggest thing is just showing expertise, showing like wing contracts have been around for about 10 years now. So we started out doing small scale projects and gradually grew into general contracting. So I've seen everything under the sun in terms of project types and execution types and Clients that know exactly what they're doing and are super efficient. And then clients that just say, here's a jumbled mess. Can you help me work through the process? Going through all those various facets of, I guess, project execution, you learn the ins and outs and nuances of how to do things a little bit more efficiently, how to take control of a situation, how to deal with people on site, how to deal with clients remotely. I think showing all those areas of expertise and kind of showing credibility and validity and how we approach things and the end results, we just go from zero to hundred pretty quickly with them. When I first started wing contracting, we were brand new and nobody really wanted to work with us because he wants to work with a brand new contract that nobody's heard of. So I would always say, give me your shittiest job that nobody wants to do and we'll show you what we can do and then we'll just grow from there. My big thing was I'm, I was always heavily engaged in every part of the process so everybody knew that even though I was the owner, even though back then it was just me and maybe one or two of the guys, 
they could easily get a hold of me and I was always invested in their projects no matter how big or how small it was. And I remember giving out my cell phone number to clients when I'm on site and say, call me at three o'clock in the morning. If I don't answer right away, I'll call you back within 30 minutes. And people would do it and I would answer and we would come up with a resolution of a problem and then they just continues to build that trust. And eventually they're saying, okay, you're somebody that we want to engage with long-term and we trust that you're going to have our best interests at heart with our own clients, because back then we were just working through other project management companies and whoever else, other third parties, just to get our feet wet and build some, some revenue and whatever else. So then we slowly got integrated into their workflow a little bit earlier and earlier and earlier. And eventually they gained enough trust to where we were helping deal with clients on prototypes and brand new projects from the onset. And I just... Once they started seeing the value and what we could bring to the table in terms of helping them manage the process and just the experience with dealing with all kinds of different bumps and bruises along the way that we've dealt with over the last 10 years, it just helped us bring credibility and allowed us to really get in there and, uh, I guess, smooth out the process and just kind of show them how we, what we can bring to the table. Now, you have a lot of competition in the industries you've decided to select, so How do you differentiate yourself from your competition? What makes you stand out from all the rest of the players out there? I think one of the things was what I just talked about. So customer service. So we're always there for everybody. Everybody can call me at any time of the night. Like my partner in the sign company, he just was on the job site with clients that said, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing because he was there, totally engaged on everything. And they see that and that it's not only, I guess, doing that directly for the clients, but also showing the guys that work for us in the various markets that the guys that sign the checks are willing to get out there and bust their butt a little bit. And if I'm willing to work a 16-hour day, then you should probably be able to work. We want to work at least a 10-hour day kind of a deal. And guys that are worth their salt will see the guy that signs checks out there working a 12, 14-hour day or whatever, and then feel, okay, I got to match that or else I just don't feel I'm bringing what I need to bring to the table kind of a deal. I think the biggest thing is leading by example, just being willing to do anything and everything to be successful as a company. I think another thing that really helped us out in the beginning phases of growth for all these companies. So when contracting, my main focus was to minimize my overhead. So I just was as cheap as I possibly could be for the first couple of years. And the reason I did that was and I really even paid myself, to be completely honest. My goal was to just develop clients and get a go wide and deep as much as I could, but also give these end users like a great experience, good customer service, make sure it was on everything. So I, I paid all the guys out in the field way more than everybody else was willing to pay them. So I could get a lot of good talent because I didn't have as much overhead as some of these companies that were 10 and $20 million at the time that had giant accounting departments and HR and marketing, all these other things that they had to cover. It was just me going out and selling and making sure I was there on site and making ensuring that the jobs were getting done. So I think that's a big thing. One of the things, once you started adding these other organizations, so I put in place the holdings company that employed all the W-2 employees. So we had, it's almost like a shared services type situation. Every employee that's W-2 for all the companies works for holdings companies. So we have one 401k plan. We have one health insurance plan, which benefits them because we get a little better plan as we grow. And then we minimize costs because we don't have a single plan for every entity because just a 401k plan is like five grand a year per each plan that you have in place. There's that. And we can also afford to get a little bit better talent in each of the various components of the services internally that will be shared. So like accounting, human resources, we can offer those people a little bit more money so we can get a little bit higher caliber person that'll be willing to go the extra mile deal. And then what we do is we just build down those individual people to the entities that based off of the usage. So it's a way to minimize overhead and help one of these new entities scale up pretty quickly as opposed to each one having their own accounting department or bookkeeper or whatever it is. So I think those things have helped us grow a little bit as well. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that model that you just articulated. Talking about business models, Brad, take us back through your story. How, what, what was the idea? How did it germinate in your brain? And what are the major milestones over the last 10 years? So tell us about your story. So I was working for, actually, prior to 2008, when the market just went to all craziness, I worked in commercial real estate finance, and the market just got dissipated in 2008, and nobody could find a job in finance anymore. So I made a transition to working for an architecture firm here in St. Louis that did educational projects. Lasted there like a year and a half. They had some issues with funding from the state, money that was bond money or grant money or whatever, just they couldn't organize it efficiently enough. So they got rid of all unbillable overhead, which was me in the sales department. Went to a national general contracting company and worked there for a year and a half to two years. The woman that hired me, she was the head of the sales department. She moved on and everybody that she brought on was released soon thereafter. So like in, I think it was April of 2014, they told me that I wasn't going to meet my sales goals for the year and I need to go find someplace else to work deal. So I left, had no idea. I just had a company review for the quarter and everything was great. Had no issues at all. There are no, you know, bad marks on my, my, my quarterly review. So it was a surprise. So I left there and I had a bunch of smaller clients that I was trying to onboard at that company had started reaching out to me and said, Hey, we heard that you left. Where are you going? We want to follow you. What are you going to do? And I'm, I, at the time I was like, I don't even know if I want to be in this industry anymore. I got a sour taste after this. And they're like, would you help us out with just some small projects until you figured out where you're going to go, what you're going to do? And I said, sure, I guess I can make, try to make a little bit of money while I'm trying to figure out my next move. I remember my first project was at a Capital One corporate office in South Dakota. We did some fixture installation and kitchen equipment installation as well there in their, I don't know, their common area. And then everything just slowly grew from there. It was the same kind of deal I was mentioning. I just, I was involved heavily in every, each and every project. I was typically on site. I was always available to everybody. And at first it was just here and there. And then we got a couple of things that were consistent programs where it was the same type of work and the same for the same client repeatedly. And then I hooked up with somebody that kind of brought, helped me bring a little bit of work for Walgreens. And then we did some, it was like 30 locations. We did some interior decor remodel projects and then did some work for Ikea and just snowballed from there. And all of a sudden we started picking up some momentum. And that second year I brought on my first full-time employee. And then we just kind of organically grew from there. I had some good luck and some good fortune of people moving from one company to another that wanted to bring me with them. And it just blossomed from there. And then I was about, what, five years in the Wayne contracting and had, so I knew my partner Max from our master's program that we had did, finished up in 2009. And I got a call from a client. We were doing fixture work for a large retailer up in actually all over the country. We were doing like fixtures, millwork, some decor stuff, none of the graphics. They called me and they said, hey, we have this company. There was some issue with the graphics. Can you guys go fix it? I, we had never really done graphics that much. Some light duty stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, well, I'll get it figured out. Cause that's just a person that I always was. Like if there was a, an opportunity to create a solution, I would figure out how to do it and come through typically 99% of the time. So we flew up to, I contacted Max said, Hey, I got this client. They want to remedy these issues they're having. You want to go up there, flew up there to many, to Minneapolis, fixed the challenge that they were having, finished out the project. They called and said, Hey, everything turned out great. Can you come back up and tell us exactly what you did? We're going to have the client here. We're going to have the design company, 3M, who supplied the materials and everybody else. Uh, they just want to come up with a solution so we don't run this problem again. I said, yeah, sure. That's fine. So we flew back up, walk in and Max starts talking for 20 minutes. Here's what you use. Here's what didn't work. Here's what I had to do to make it work. 
here's what you should have used. Here's why it would have been better. And after talking for 20 minutes, the three of them guys like, yeah, that actually sounds like probably the direction we should have went. We should do going forward. I, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, there's a there's an opportunity here to utilize his knowledge and the, our combined work ethic to make some money. Decided to set that company up in, in 2019, and it's grown relatively rapidly ever since. And it's the same kind of deal with the other two organizations. So I find somebody that, or I have a relation with somebody that's a, a great technician that understands her trade really well. And maybe just isn't as well versed in the business side of things. Who likes to deal with insurance and taxes and accounting? Those aren't the fun things or the sexy things of doing business. And those are the things that I'm comfortable with and understand. When I find somebody that kind of has a similar ideology and a comparable work ethic, that I feel like we can marry those two things and be successful, then we take a shot at it and see where it leaves us. When did you have your idea for shared services? So Wayne Contracting was on the Inc. 5000, like number 750 out of 5000. I think it was 2019. And yeah. I'm with a company called Insperity. And they do where almost like a, not really like a shared services model, but they'll bring in all your employees as their employees. And they basically put them in their benefits program. So they thought that it might be beneficial for us with all these organizations to do something like that. And we looked at it just financially at the time. It didn't make sense. We just didn't have enough to where the offset was validated the cost kind of a deal. So we decided not to do it. But I, in the in those conversations, it made me think of how could we utilize a comparable type mindset to really help scale these other organizations quickly. So that's when we started combining all those redundant overhead and all the things that could we could see as like a streamlined approach to make it more beneficial for all the entities. It sounds like you've got partners in virtually every company that you own except for Wayne Contracting. Yep, correct. Okay, so I think a lot of our listeners would like to have you verbalize, Brad, how you're able to have all those simultaneous, if you will, marriages successful, successfully going on. But like I said, you come up with guys that have comparable ideologies and they have similar work ethics. Like Max, I knew for a few years, probably 10 years before he did anything. So I knew who he was, what he brought to the table. Seafood guy, similar situation, Mike, he, I've known him for probably around 10 years too, give or take. And then Dan, I've known him for about five years now. I knew him for actually about a year before we got into business together, but he did a project at my house for another company and just was really on it. Did a good, did a great job. It seemed like he really knew what he was doing. Just wasn't super content with what he had going on, what the kind of I guess grow as a person and do his own thing as opposed to working for somebody else and just approach me about it. And initially approached me about getting involved in that other entity that he was working for financially. It just didn't work out. And he said, all right, I think this, I want to make this move. And if you're interested, let's do it. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot and see. And good fortune was that we started in 19 and it was right before COVID. And it seems like everybody and their, their brother was wanting to do something in their house during COVID because they were stuck at home and you're sitting there working from home, looking at your backyard, thinking about, man, it'd be nice if I had a nice patio or an outdoor kitchen or whatever there. And nobody's going on vacation. They had a bunch of money saved up. So it was, it just happened to be a right place, right time situation. Tell us, how do you go about managing your businesses? Do you get all the, all your partners together once a month or so, or do you have five different meetings? How do you manage it? Yeah. So we have, what we do is we have weekly meetings with every entity where I lead the meeting. We go through our pipeline, both in sales and projects on, we have either in process or projects that are upcoming, talk about any issues, those kind of things. We'll do like quarterly financial reviews. We have an outsourced CPA that really helps us out in terms of the financial component of what we do. 
Um, but yeah, I try to stay on top as much as I can. Everybody's here. We have one centralized office that everybody works out of. So all the entities operate out of one of our locations here in St. Louis, except for the seafood company, the manufacturing or the processing facilities just south here a little bit. But Mike always is here relatively consistently. We also have somebody internally that kind of deals with our almost kind of like a catch-all. She's kind of like my Swiss Army knife. So okay. she deals with all the entities, works out through all the processes, does all like the upfront QR for like we use like a project management software to manage all the construction related projects for all three of the entities that are service related. Like for instance, she went through the process of doing like a proof of concept for 30 different options, met with all of them individually, put together like a, here's our wish list and then which ones met which items. And we had internal conversations and she kind of leads those processes in terms of helping make us more efficient, make sure we have all of our eyes and eyes uh, dotted and our T's crossed kind of a deal. And then she deals with a lot of our HR stuff too, onboarding like new employees. We have some overlap in terms of, I guess, the process that we use. I'm relatively heavily involved in the day-to-day operation. So I'm here every day, usually for 10 or 12 hours a day, at least. So everybody, it's like a revolving door in my office where if somebody needs something to come in, we just work through it. So how do the individual companies, if you will, buy the services from the holding company? Is that on a revenue basis or do you use, or do you front it all as the, as the owner or give us a little insight to how you manage the, if you will, the financial affairs. So every company has its own set of books. What we do is, like I said, all the employees that are W2 employees are employed by the holdings company. People will just track their time if they work for multiple entities throughout the week. And then what we'll do is we'll just build down to the individual entities as, as we need to on a weekly basis. Whatever okay, that makes sense. So somebody, for example, this Swiss army knife woman you mentioned, she then would has a little timesheet of some sort, and she's just keeping track of how she spends her time on a day-to-day basis. Yep, correct. Same, same with the people in accounting, the same sort of technique. Yep. Interesting. So annual planning-wise, do you have individual planning sessions or do you get everybody together? How do you go about planning these various companies for the year? Yeah, we do individual sessions compared to how we do like pipeline management. We'll meet individually okay. as an entity. So like when contract will meet, everybody that's an employee of that company will kind of get together, talk about all those things. And then obviously like the people in accounting will sit in on all the meetings. Same with the person that kind of is involved in the processes of each of the individual entities. And she kind of, she'll kind of keep record of everything that we talk about. So that way everybody's held accountable. And that's one of the other big things that we do is there's constant accountability. She'll send out lists. Here's what we're doing over the next 30 days. Here's what, who's responsible for what. Here's our timeline. Here's your, your due date on this information. So it, I'm OCD when it comes to those things. Like I manage all my stuff in terms of like my to-dos for each individual entity digitally. So it's on my phone. It's on my computer. I can always see it. And I try to do my best to keep my, hold myself accountable to all the obligations that I have to these various organizations as well. Interesting. Very good. So what's holding you back right now, do you think? 2023? Nothing really. We Last year, we had a great year. This year, it looks like we're going to see a couple of companies double. And I think the things that we have challenges with is probably the same things a lot of companies do. Just the labor market, it seems like there's a real challenge finding people that are qualified for specific roles or that don't necessarily exaggerate what their capabilities are. We have some of those challenges as well. Just compensation expectations, meeting the scope of people's work kind of a deal. We not really much in the terms of like material delays. We've had a couple of challenges, but we've been able to overcome those relatively simply. There has been like a little bit of a lag. It seems from a, like a permit perspective, some of these 
from market to market, we'll see some delays in terms of just like long lead times, which kind of makes, causes challenges a little bit. I think to some degree, maybe like an uncertain economy, you see some retailers getting hesitant. Like we were then with a company that was out of England coming over here to the US market, and they decided to hold off just because of some unsurety and where things are going to be in the next 12 months. Brett, we've got a lot of different kinds of folks listening to us on the podcast, watching the video and so forth. So how would these people, let's think of potential employee, just a business relationship for you, somebody wants to be a network, vendors, how do people go about getting hold of you and your companies? These ways, everybody's welcome to call me like they always have been for the last 10 years. And my cell phone number is 314-497-9485. The email that I probably check the most is my Wayne Contracting email. It's just brad, B-R-A-D, at waynecontracting.com, W-A-Y-N-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C-T-I-N-G.com. And they're welcome to check out all of our websites. So it's waynecontracting.com, visitxbranding.com, merrimackhardscapes.com, and cityseafoodco.com. Beautiful. City Seafood, why CEO instead of com? Uh, it wasn't available. Okay, I thought you'd say that. <laughs> Brad, what's the question that you were thinking? Gee, I want uh, Bill should be asking me such and such. So what is that unasked question and the answer to it, Brad? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably where you, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, you're like, why are you doing all this? So we have all these companies. I'm on a board for two different charities. I got five kids. Everybody always asks me, why do you have so much going on? And I tell them, I say, I think I just thrive better in chaos. So I feel like because there's so much stuff constantly going on, you just have to make snap decisions. And typically your initial gut reaction to a situation is typically the course of action you should probably take. If you have too much time and you tend to overthink it and sometimes talk yourself out of the best direction. I love that answer. Yeah, I thought you were going there. Probably I think he likes to complicate things. Yeah, so, yeah. Thanks, Brad, very much. You were very generous with your time. I'm sure our listeners got a lot of tidbits out. Plus, you gave them easy access to you. Thank you very much. So for everybody now, in closing, let's focus on the single fact that our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having a long-term vision of having a strategy connected with that vision, a mechanism, a management system that puts it all together and finally leveraging high performance teams. Now you can figure out how to get all of that together. Just go to getbillsgift.com, getbillsgift.com, and you'll get the keys, if you will, to the kingdom. So thanks for listening, Brad. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. It was great.